Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, through LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey, audience and listeners, this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth Through Value at Real Estate Investing. Today, I have uh, George Abreu from uh, Dallas, Texas, right? So I've known George for some time right now, and I'm excited to have him on my podcast. Uh, you know, he has a very strong background in construction. We go dive deeper into it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of other things as we move along. Hey, George, why not you say hi to our audience? Hi, um, I'm also excited to be on here. You know, I've known James for a while. And um, so when he reached out, I was pretty excited. So looking forward to adding value. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, adding value is where the name of the game, right? I mean, people love adding value in real estate. You see so much people adding value. Of course, there are some people who are like, they claim the abundance mentality, but they never, they said, no, if you want to learn this, you come and pay me a big uh, <laughs> bucks to learn, <laughs> right? So, payment. yeah, but they go around telling everyone, you know, they are the biggest abundance mentality, right? So, but anyway, uh, there's so much of podcasts, so much of forums, so much of Facebook group out there, you know, you, you can learn so many things. Of course, that's, you know, to take the next level, you always need a lot more extra direct, uh, you know, direct contact and direct coaching, but, you know, a lot of information's out there, right? So, so tell us about, you know, uh, what do you do? I mean, how did you get started? Uh, then we can go into a bit more detail on that. Yeah, so what I do now is, is full-time uh, multifamily large uh, acquisitions and uh, also do some land development. But um, where I started was about 15 years ago, started doing single family investments. Um, I was really attracted to doing the fix and flips and wanted to scale that. In doing that, I ran into a couple uh, bumps on the road with uh, contractors. And that's when I decided to open my own construction company. That was maybe about 11 to 12 years ago now. And um, it worked out well. You know, we, we were able to scale and, and we're averaging maybe about 40 or so flips a year. Um, and then... Are, we still doing, doing, are, you, are you still doing flips? Say again? Are you still doing flips? I stopped doing single family. About, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, when I, when I decided that I wanted to focus on, on large multifamily, um, I tried doing both in the beginning and mm. uh, I felt like I, I was stretched too, too thin. Mm. So went all yeah. in on the multi. Yeah, now we do the big flips, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> it's still a flip, but it's a big flip, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and then I, I, I kind of, I dabbled into the journey kind of led me into development and 
did some single family and then some smaller multifamily. Um, and then that led me to about four years ago is when I was first introduced to multifamily syndications and, and being able to acquire these hundred plus unit apartments um, without having to bring millions and millions of dollars yourself, you know, where you can partner with others and um, syndicate the deal. So uh, right off the bat, I mean, I, I love the concept. I love the fact that you have the scale built into one single property um, and I was sold. So. Good, good, good. So what attracted you to syndication? Um, I don't know if I was really attracted to syndication, just I was more attracted to the large apartments. Okay. And then, you know, without having, at least at that time, without knowing any partners that could come in with the equity needed, um, syndication was the tool to be able to do that and raise the equity. Got it. So what are the market you are focusing on right now? Right now, um, so I'm out of Dallas, Texas, and um, hard to find deals in Dallas, but uh, still still looking. We, we've got one property here in DFW, and um, we've got quite a bit in Houston. So we've been able to still get in at, at a good basis in Houston, and, and the fundamentals are there. So um, still looking pretty hard there and, and closing on some deals. And then other sub-markets throughout Texas, uh, Oklahoma, some of the Oklahoma City, and then we also own one in, in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is a smaller city. Um, we're closing one in Georgia, Augusta, Georgia. It's a good looking market. Uh, closed a couple in South Dakota. Um, and that's it right now. So how did you choose this market? Because it looks like you, you've been in quite a different market. I mean, within Texas, yeah, Dallas, you know, Houston, probably, you know, there will be some differences, but you went to Georgia, South Dakota, Oklahoma. How did you go into different, yeah, different yeah, markets? No, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, you know, we started in our own, own backyard and uh, with Dallas being as hot as it was, it was hard to get deals to pencil. So that's when we started looking outside of our backyard, but still staying within a two hour, three hour drive. Um, so that's how our first couple of deals were. And then as we implemented systems and became more comfortable with the process, um, that's what allowed us to kind of come out and, and look at, kind of go after the deals. You know, right now it's hard to find deals, so I don't want to, um limit myself to saying i only want to be in this location so i know the criteria we want to hit um property wise and location wise and if those are met then i rely on my systems to kick in and, and be able to go to a different location so do you underwrite all deals everywhere in the nation or you know i'm trying to see like you know so yeah how do you do that yeah. So, I mean, we have our top markets that, that we're looking in uh -huh. specifically and we're, we're searching to acquire deals in. And then at the same time, I have other individuals that, that bring me deals. Um, and they're doing the first round of 
underwriting and then when they bring it and then we'll do internally our underwriting but um i guess to answer your question it's not like we're we're looking in every state at least not internally uh -huh. it's just when others bring us deals so what do you look for look for in a deal when let's say somebody send give you a deal uh what what are the first thing that you look for in a deal before you throw it out uh you know what's your sniff test yeah yeah i mean the first the first thing is the location so if it's not a location that we've already um deemed as somewhere we want to be then it's okay i need to look into the numbers and see hmm. um what's the growth look like what's uh driving the economy is it diverse um those kind of things and then once i've checked all all those boxes then it's move on to the deal and as far as the deal um i want to make sure it's got the value add component like a true value add that um we can come in and and increase the value some way whether it's through operations or um income and then uh then it's looking at the returns you know as far as how we're structuring the deal what what's what price we're coming in at do the returns make sense okay so let's go into your underwriting criteria right? because you look for the value add so what are the value add components do you look for in a deal when you're underwriting a deal yeah i mean the the number one is the rents you know where are the rents compared to to the market rents um is there a gap there the lost the lease um is there room is the market call for uh, upgrades and and getting rent bumps with your upgrades um that's number one and then from there then we start looking at the expenses and and how the man and how the property is being managed you know is is something uh reviewing the financials and and reviewing all the data is there something that stands out that we know we can um do better um and then we go to kind of other income or just little things we can do to to bring in more income okay uh what about expenses do you look at expenses in detail yeah yeah we 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 look for anything that stands out that's not um in line with the norm um you know if they're paying double what they should be paying in payroll um we'll dig in you know why why is this and, and do we think we can do better got it so you are in different market right like texas oklahoma georgia south dakota what do you see as the uh, you know is there common expenses that everybody share you know across any states you know they always have a problem or is there every state has their own expense uh, you know something is wrong in some state in some expenses yeah no it it, it definitely adjusts where where you're at um you know obviously taxes depend on where you are um same with the payroll you know we're just talking about payroll um there's other areas you're going to have to pay more to get a good staff um than others um even down to to repairs and maintenance you know uh, labor is cheaper in other areas so you got to take that into account we do we look at our from experience right if we're in that area already and then we also pull reports from costar that 
lay that all out, you know, what the averages are. Interesting. Interesting. So what about, um, uh, expense ratio? Do you see like each of these states having different expense ratio? It, it does vary a bit. Yeah. Okay. Any specific, I don't know off the top of my head, like which ones. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. But yes. We do see a very, you see variance. Okay. So what about, uh, using your background as a construction, you know, specialist, right? You have your own construction company. How do you think that has added value to your syndication? You know, it helps us feel confident one when we're making offers mm -hmm. that we're not just guessing on the capex. Um, pretty educated um, numbers in there as far as the capex and what the what the property needs. Um, so that essentially gives us a. I think more of an edge when we're submitting our offers. Um, we feel more comfortable if we need to go up a little bit um, on the offer. And then that also translates over to once we acquire the property uh, we, that we can execute on the, on the business plan. We can complete the CapEx quickly and uh, good quality. What is the most common capex expense uh, that you know the normal people, the one that doesn't have construction experience, get it wrong? Um, I'd want to say plumbing. Hopefully, I've, I've talked about it enough to where maybe some people are catching on. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, plumbing can really catch if you don't catch it during your due diligence, um, and you take over the property and you start having all these issues with your sewers backing up. And then you realize that you have broken lines underneath. Um, it can get pricey. And is that specific to like some year build uh, in terms of some apartment or is it across all, all new build? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely anything 80s before 1980s, uh -huh. you're, you know, PVC didn't start getting uh, installed till I believe early 80s, uh, maybe late 70s. But so you're going to have cast iron or you may even have clay uh, sewer pipes. Um, and those tend to have more issues. Um, and then if you throw on top of that in Texas with all the foundation shifting, um, it's not a good uh, equation to have when you add the, the plumbing lines that are already um, doing bad and then the, the ground shifting you're gonna have a lot of cracks and separation yeah it's it's uh is it a texas problem the foundation i thought i'm not sure i mean i, I only did houses here in in texas but is it just a texas a, thing or is it like nationwide there are some area you have a lot of foundation issues specifically in texas the soil definitely shifts a lot more. Um, I'm originally from South Florida. Mm -hmm. Your foundation doesn't move in South Florida. Like <laughs> really? you're, you're sitting on, you know, bedrock. Like bedrock, you're not, yeah. You're probably in a big rock, right? So. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma, you, you do have some issues too. So yeah, it's not, not just Texas. Got it, got it, got it. So what kind of... Uh, I mean, I know you do apartments, right? So but what kind of apartments do you look for? How, at a high level, 
you know, give me some characteristic of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you said you do value add, but you know, what are the other characteristics of apartment that you, you know, like to buy? Yeah, we like to be at a hundred units minimum. Um, you know, we'll maybe look at something a little bit smaller if we have a property nearby. Um, mainly C class, we're starting to do a little more B class as well. Um, and then, you know, I don't really have, I know other investors that won't touch flat roofs or they won't touch uh, something with a boiler or a chiller. Um, not a huge, boilers don't bother me so much. Not a huge fan of, of chillers. Uh, roofing is fine either way, you know, flat or sloped. I just, as long as you're inspecting it in the, in the, during your due diligence and, and you know what you're getting into, I think it's, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not worried about flat roof, even though I, I think I only have one deal, which has a flat roof. It's doing fine. It's not a, you know, it's not a big deal. I mean, I, you are right. I'm not a fan of chiller system as well, because uh, I never bought one, but, but I know it has its own, uh, you know, uh, nuances to it. Right. Which, you know, which can be, you know, not the best experience for some of our residents there, right? So, yes. so talk to me about uh, some of the land development that you, you know, you said you are doing. Yeah, um, you know, I've started land development a, a while back, but um, been turning it up a little bit more lately, just with the pricing, where some of these prices are going, you know, with a C-class, um, I'll use Dallas as an example, but you know, there's C class going for hundred plus a door. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're talking about a property that was built 60s, 70s, um, going for a hundred dollars, I mean, a hundred thousand a door, um, when you can build it for just a little bit more. Um, so that's where I feel we're at right now as far as how the pricing is going in, in the market so uh got a couple land deals that we're working on right now um got a 276 unit one that's um we're now we're just working on on getting it under contract um and then we had another we have another one that it was actually going to be multifamily, but um, with the pricing of lumber and, and cost of materials going up, we actually flipped it to uh, single family and we've got uh, a builder that's going to purchase it. Once we're done with the horizontal construction, they're going to come in and um, take over from there. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I don't do single family anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a different uh, paradigm, right? So, but is that all in uh, Texas or is somewhere else? That that is in Texas. Um, so, as far as leveraging our construction company, um, we only build in Texas. Mm -hmm. We'll do renovations throughout the nation at this point. Um, but new construction, we stick with Texas. Not that we wouldn't look at, at something outside of Texas, we just wouldn't be able to build it in-house. You know, we'd have to hire a GC and, and, um, yeah. and just manage it that way. Got it, got it, got it. 
So where are you going with your whole, you know, buying multifamily, doing development? Where, what's your end goal? You know, let's say right now, you know, uh, 40, 50 years from now, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my end goal is to, to continue to grow right now, um, definitely in growth mode uh, to the point where I can start bringing in more of the components in-house and have more control of everything we do. Um, now, what's your end end goal? End and end goal. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. You can bring uh, next day <laughs> you can bring property management <laughs> inside house, right? But I want to look at it. Forty years down the road, I where I want to gotcha, be. <laughs> gotcha. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking to build something huge, man. Um, you know, I'm I'm I want to have a, a very large organization where we've got 60,000 units or whatever it is. And uh, at that point, um, I'm maybe attending a, a meeting once a week. <laughs> mm. um, well, I don't know. You said 50 years from now. That's, yeah. Hopefully I'm not attending any meetings, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe 30 years from now, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just like looking at like, you know, I know we're buying a lot of deals but where do we want to go end of the day yeah. right so let's say maybe 15 years from now where do you want to be yeah i mean i want to have a very strong organization with with okay. um a large portfolio um uh-huh. you know building that that legacy and really leaving uh, my children with something great okay okay that's good why do you do what you're doing right now why what's your why it's my family, yeah, 100%. Um, everything I do, I've got three little girls and uh, my wife, and uh, yeah, everything's for them. Got it, got it. And is there a proud moment in your in your real estate career that you were really proud of? That one moment that you can you can always remember, and you are really thinking, hmm, I, I'm really happy that I did that. Um. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of torn, I guess, uh, between the, the first large multifamily that, that we closed, that, that was um, a lot of work went to get to that point, a lot of education, um, underwriting a lot of deals. <laughs> um, that was a good one. And then um, I'll throw in a second, just sure. our first new construction project that we completed. Um, you know, taking something from the, the ground up was, was nice. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Josh, why not tell our audience how, uh, you know, how to get hold of you? Uh, yeah. We've got a ton of information on our website. So elevatecig.com. Um, if they want to shoot me an email at George or Jorge, J-O-R-G-E at elevatecig.com. Uh, if they mention this podcast, I'll shoot them over some free content I have. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. Very happy to have you here and share your experience and you know, adding value to our listeners. Thank you, James. All right. Bye. All right. And there's one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, another why coming in, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Right in time. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. Take care that's it for this episode 
If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.